Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Hello, friends in Christ. Uh, Sorry I can't be with you today. I was exposed to COVID. I took a test Thursday late afternoon and found out Thursday evening uh, that I have COVID, but I have no symptoms. Uh, So as of now, as I'm recording this video, uh, I feel great, but hopefully uh, continue to feel good and be back and with you. Uh, But we are going to continue with Romans, Romans chapter 11, and we'll be picking it up at verse 11 and going all the way to verse 24. So if you got your Romans journal, go ahead and open it up. Uh, If you're using a Bible, open up to Romans 11. And uh, as we look at Romans 11, basically what Paul is doing is he's in this whole conversation, Romans 9 through 11, wrestling with the mystery of why his own people, the people of Israel, uh, by and large rejected the gospel, at least at this point in history. And so as Paul wrestles with that today in particular, he's going to talk about the relationship that God now has with Israel, but also the relationship between Jew and Gentile. What does that relationship look like? By the way, when we use the word Gentile, just for review, what the word Gentile means is it means somebody who is not part of the Jewish people, uh, Greek, Roman, etc., people of the nations. That's literally what that word means, uh, the Gentiles. Now, as Paul invites us into this conversation, Paul uses a very helpful image. He uses the image of an olive tree and branches. Now, in the New Testament, you might be a little bit more familiar with a vine and branches. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But Paul is, in a similar way, talking about an olive tree and branches. And you'll actually notice on the front cover of your Romans journal, there's a nice picture of the image that Paul's using in the text. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but on the front cover, this is an olive tree from Romans 11. You have the trunk of the olive tree, which represents Israel and the Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the promises to Israel. I suppose if we could go underneath, we'd have the roots, which would be the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, those forefathers of the faith, uh, connected to the trunk, we have branches that are bearing olives, bearing fruit. And some of those branches, you'll notice, are just normal branches. That represents Israel. The people of Israel who believed in their Messiah, placed their faith in Jesus. They are part of this tree called Israel. But you'll also notice that there's branches that look like they're bandaged or they're wrapped up. And this represents the practice of grafting in branches into an olive tree. And this represents the Gentiles. Those who are not of Israel have been grafted into the tree so that now they become living members of the tree, even though they aren't of the same type of olive tree. And That's what we're going to talk about a little bit. And so 
it's nice to have this visual for us. Maybe you never knew what this visual meant. It was just nice to maybe put a tree on the cover, but uh, this has meaning. It's from Romans chapter 11. I hope it's a nice visual for you. So keep that visual in mind as we now read the text. So Romans 11, starting at verse 11, Paul says, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Talking about his own Jewish people. By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? This is God's word for us, and I have four points that I'd like to draw out of the text for us today. The first uh, point comes to us from verses 11 through 12. Uh, Paul says in these verses that the, that the Jewish people, his own kinsmen, who do not believe in Christ are cut off from the tree. And this reminds us a little bit of John the Baptist who says, any tree, uh, any branches that do not bear good fruit will be cut off. And so that's what Paul's saying here. But even though they've been cut off from the tree of Israel, the most natural thing is for them to be grafted back in. And so Paul is saying, God has not given up on his people. He, he loves his people, Israel. And even though for a momentary time they've rejected the gospel by and large, 
the most natural thing for them is to be re-included, re-grafted in to the whole tree. And so that's what Paul says in verse 11. He says, so I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. He says, no, they can be brought back in, but only through faith in Christ. Because if you'll remember in Romans, the whole message of Romans is that God has one singular way of saving people, both Jew and Greek, and that is through faith in Christ, his death and his resurrection, and not through works. At the present time, they've stumbled because they thought it was by works, by performance, by, by will, by effort. Uh, but for those who have faith, as Paul does himself and many of the other uh, Jewish people, uh, there is a welcome back in by faith. Now, I think it's important to notice this because sometimes as Christians, we might forget this. We might think that maybe uh, the gospel isn't for Jewish people. And that's not true because we'll remember that the whole entire early church was Jewish, Jesus himself, and also the apostles and the early church. In fact, it takes a while for the church to realize that God is welcoming the Gentiles too. We read that in Acts chapter 10 in particular. An example of this misunderstanding would be a 2015 Vatican document from the Roman Catholic Church uh, really talking about the relationship between Christians and the Jewish people. Now, there was a lot in this document that was good and praiseworthy. For example, it noted that Christians should always do our, our best to be welcoming and loving to the Jewish people because Christians and Jews have a special relationship together because we have a shared history in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the Hebrew Scriptures. It also did a great job of noting that Christians, above all, should be uh, against anti-Semitism because anti-Semitism is the most unchristian thing imaginable. But the document fell short because it said that the Roman Catholic Church does not plan to actively seek to evangelize or share the gospel with the Jewish people because they know God according to the Torah, the law, but Christians know God according to Christ. Now, that is simply not what the New Testament teaches. You can listen to Paul in Romans 9, 10, and 11, how he yearns for his own people to receive their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. And you see how Paul is wanting to welcome them back in. Um, it is a beautiful thing when somebody who has a Jewish heritage and, and lineage back to Abraham believes upon Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, and there are more people in the Christian church uh, that have Jewish roots than you might know. I remember at my former congregation in Connecticut, uh, one of our members, one of our faithful members, uh, shared with me something a couple of years before I took the call here to Nebraska that I never knew. He said to me, I grew up in a Jewish household. I went to synagogue and I had my bar, uh, my bar mitzvah and, um, and I uh, grew up learning the stories of the Old Testament. Uh, that was my identity. But then uh, shortly after meeting his current wife, he started attending the Lutheran church there in Connecticut. And uh, when he was there, heard the gospel, 
went through adult confirmation and was baptized. And shortly before I left my former church, he had started reading the New Testament every single day. He would read through the New Testament uh, in a year, and then he would do it again and again. And for him, he had a unique perspective uh, looking at the stories of the New Testament and the preaching of the New Testament uh, through the lens of having grown up Jewish. For him, it was the most natural thing uh, to believe upon Christ. We need to remember that uh, as Christians. Point number two, and we draw this from verses 13 through 15, is that Paul is hoping that Christian community would be so attractive that it would win over his Jewish brothers and sisters to the community of Jesus. Look what Paul says in verse 13. He says, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify or make much or even glorify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow, fellow Jews jealous. Uh, that word jealous has the idea of somebody wanting to emulate someone and thus save some of them. The point here is that, you know, Paul wants the Christian community to be so attractive and so, so beautiful and so full of grace and truth that his own people would see it and recognize that something's missing, something that they want and would come into that community. Paul, as he traveled the world as a missionary, uh, the Greek and Roman world, he would always go to the synagogue first and preach the gospel to his own people, uh, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But there's a certain point in Acts chapter 13 where Paul um, has been rejected so many times by his own people that he says, I'm going to go to the Gentiles because they will listen. And so now Paul goes to the Gentiles. We see this in the later chapters of Acts. And really, there's a strategy here. Paul can't go directly to his own Jewish people because it just hasn't worked out well. There's been hostility. But Paul, in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, has an indirect way of reaching his own people. So Paul is a minister to the Gentiles, but through the Gentiles, he's ministering to his own people, the Jewish people, seeking to woo them and win them over to Christ. Um, you know, it's sad in the history of the church that sometimes the church has been marked by anti-Semitism, which, as I mentioned before, is the most unnatural thing for a believer in Christ. And yet, sadly so, the church has gotten its priorities all mixed up and has been anti-Semitic. And this is sad and deplorable and something that we should mourn over. But sometimes the church does what it's supposed to do, and it shines with the light of Christ in a beautiful and brilliant way that is attractive uh, to the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. An example of that would be uh, Dr. Charles Feinberg, who's an Old Testament scholar, recently passed away within the last couple of years. But Dr. Feinberg uh, grew up as an Orthodox Jewish person, and after graduating college, he lived in a Orthodox Jewish household with others of that same faith. And they had hired a woman who was what is called a Sabbath Gentile. That means somebody who's not under 
the Sabbath rules of the Jewish faith. And so that person can uh, do chores and cooking and cleaning and all those things on the Sabbath. Now, this particular Sabbath Gentile woman uh, at the house had actively took that role to evangelize, to to seek uh, these people for the gospel. And it was this woman's life and her hope and just the beauty of her life lived out that made the gospel attractive to this uh, uh, Old Testament scholar, uh, Dr. Charles Feinberg. And he became a Christian, and then he became uh, a, a student of his own Hebrew scriptures, but now with the perspective of Jesus as the Messiah. It's a great example of just the way that as Christians, uh, our community can shine with the light of Christ and the love of God to be attractive to people. I think that's a good uh, thing for us to have in mind as the church anyways. You know, sometimes the church can become about all kinds of different things, like we can get nitpicky about things or self-centered or think it's all about me. But when the church lives outwardly and loves others in bold ways, in humble ways, the way that Christ has loved us, this is attractive to people. And it is often what wins them over to the community of faith. Because a lot of times when you talk to people about Jesus, um, what you say isn't as important as the life that backs it up. Point number three, and we see this in verses uh, 17 and 18. Uh, the point is this, is that the Gentiles do not replace the Jewish people. They are included as part of Israel. So this is what Paul says, verse 17. He says, but if some of the branches were broken off, this would be those uh, Jews who did not believe, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. This would be a good opportunity to look back at this picture and think of Israel. The one Israel of God is this uh, green olive tree uh, with uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, Moses, and David, and finally Christ at the center, and these beautiful, fruitful branches that, that spread out and... Um, what Paul's saying is that the Gentiles have been grafted in like these bandaged branches from what is called a wild, uncultivated olive tree. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background here. Uh, in the ancient world, we have uh, plenty of historical records that talk about the practice of taking a cultivated olive branch, so something that's fruitful, and uh, grafting it into what's called a wild olive tree. Now, wild olive trees were sturdy and, and they grew well, but they weren't very good at producing olives. And so if you took a cultivated olive tree that's fruitful and you put the branch and you grafted it into a wild olive tree, the strength and the vitality of that wild olive tree would help that grafted in branch of the cultivated olive tree produce fruit. Now, that is not what's going on 
here in the text. Paul's actually talking about something that was unheard of in the ancient world that doesn't make a lot of horticultural sense. God has taken the branches from the wild, uncultivated, fruitless olive trees, and he's cultivated them into the richness of the cultivated olive tree, which is Israel. So God's taken these Gentiles who have a history of a pagan idolatry and, and sinful practices. They really don't have a, um, a history that's going anywhere. But they're taken and they are grafted into this rich olive tree with deep roots that is Israel. Now, this is something that I want you to understand because we miss this sometimes. Once again, the Gentiles did not replace the Jewish people. The Gentiles were grafted into the one Israel of God, which is the church. Sometimes we get confused about this because there is a real nation today called Israel that is made up of the physical descendants of Abraham, um, the people of Israel. But there's only one Israel of God, and that one Israel of God is the Israel of the church, which with its Jewish roots, the 12 apostles, Jesus himself Jewish, is uh, branched out and reaches in and includes by God's grace the Gentiles. So I want you to know if you don't have Jewish roots and you're a Gentile like me, you've been grafted in to the one people of God, the one Israel. Uh, there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The, the same Lord pours out his riches to all who call upon him in faith. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 that God has made the two, Jew and Gentile, one. And we also uh, see uh, elsewhere in Scripture that, that, that the church is the Israel of God. And so when we understand that, it really kind of clears up some theological confusion for us. Uh, that the church is the Israel of God. We have been grafted into uh, a tree uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so, church, you can actually claim Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, etc., as your spiritual ancestors. Point number four. Uh, Paul says, do not be arrogant. If you've learned anything in Romans, you've probably learned, hopefully, arrogance before God doesn't work. We are to boast in nothing but Christ alone, regardless of our, of our background, our ethnicity, um, our abilities. We only boast in Christ alone. Now, back in chapter 2, Paul addresses some uh, Jews who were hypothetically boasting in circumcision and the law and the covenants and their ethnicity. Now, Paul is warning the Gentiles to not boast. Because at this moment, when Romans was written, the church may have been a Gentile majority with a Jewish minority. And so Paul is saying to the Gentiles, he's saying, don't boast. Look what he says at verse 18. He says, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, and this sounds like another boastful response, 
Oh, yeah, well, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Paul says, okay, that's true. Verse 20, they were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. If we as Christians, those who have faith in Christ, ever see broken branches on the ground, those who've fallen away from the faith, we do not have pride, but rather we have humility because we say, except for the grace of God, there would I be too, right? And so uh, we are, are not to be arrogant uh, as we think about those uh, uh, of Israel who have not believed upon Christ because we know that our own faith is a gift and we only stand fast by faith. Now, I had mentioned uh, before that the most natural thing for a Jewish person is to claim Jesus as Messiah. Um, all of it just fits. It's the fulfillment of everything that God promised to Ab Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, and all of Israel. But for you as a Gentile Christian, the most natural thing for you is to know your Old Testament. And I think we struggle with that sometimes, that we don't know the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Scriptures, as well as we know the New Testament. Back in Paul's time, when he wrote to the Romans and said, do not be arrogant, that was the problem they were struggling with, maybe being arrogant as Gentiles. I don't think our problem is being arrogant. I think when it comes to the Jewish people and the Jewish Scriptures, our problem is being ignorant that we have this great biblical illiteracy where we don't know our own family history. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to the prophet Malachi. Uh, we don't know those Old Testament books very well. And, you know, I think, for example, of my own family history. There's a lot that I don't know. Um, I know that in the late... Uh, 1800s, uh, Barney Sextro came to uh, Iowa from Germany. That's about as far back as I can go on my mom's side. I don't know any of my ancestry before that. Um, I know that Nels Rasmussen came to uh, the United States from Denmark in sometime in the late 1800s. That's as far back as I go in my family history. Um, now, it doesn't make that much of a difference for my daily life if I don't know what my ancestors were doing in Denmark in, say, the 16 or 1700s. Um, but it does make a big difference for you and for me if we are not familiar with our spiritual ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, all the prophets. Um, it's important for us as Christians, to not only know the New Testament, but to know the Old Testament. Insofar as you know the Old Testament, you will more richly mature in your faith and more richly prize and treasure Jesus Christ. And you'll see him more clearly, because I tell you that the New Testament is full of Old Testament imagery and references. For example, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You really don't know exactly what that means unless you know the story of the Passover and the Passover Lamb. Um, I could give you countless examples from the New Testament 
where you won't really understand it completely unless you understand the Old Testament. When we don't know the Old Testament very well, our faith remains somewhat immature. And so, people of God, this is an opportunity for us uh, to not be ignorant of the Old Testament stories because this is our story that we've been grafted into. Uh, we are part of Israel through faith. And so we have an obligation, I would say, an opportunity to learn the history of our own family in the Old Testament. Um, that might be a little daunting. It might be a little scary, uh, understandably so. And that's why this fall, starting September 14th on Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7, I'm going to be doing a class called Old Testament 101, uh, learning how to read the Old Testament with confidence. And each class will just take one simple book of the Old Testament, and we will do an overview, we'll watch a video, and I'll give you some points so that you can go in and you can read it, so that you can know your family history even better than you might know it right now. Because when you do, you will see Jesus Christ all the more clearly in the New Testament, because he is its fulfillment, the promises that God made to all of Israel, and also us who've been grafted in with him. Amen. Thank you.